Catholic saints who levitated, including the original flying nun. Let's take a look at this topic today regarding levitation. I'm going to quote to you from a website called Alicia, and this is talking about a person by the name of St. Joseph of Cupertino. Now, that's a Roman Catholic saint. This is uh, uh, something that the Roman Catholic Church does. They make people saints. They have their own little set of standards. Uh, not biblical, by the way. You don't find this stuff in the Bible. This is a man-made uh, tradition that they do. So there are plenty of saints. They have saints for everything, ladies and gentlemen. So Joseph of Cupertino, it says he's often referred to as the flying saint. Whenever Joseph of Cupertino grew ecstatic with heavenly joy, he rose to the ceiling and would sometimes stay there for hours. In his cause for beatification, there are records of about 70 episodes of levitation. He even flew to the ceiling when visiting Pope Urban VIII. He is the patron saint of aviators. That's humorous to me. I, I find that very funny. I mean, when I first read that, I just chuckled. You know, he's the patron saint of aviators. This guy levitated. So, so as I said, uh, this is how the, the Church of Rome works. So, so it says here, in his case for beatification, this is, the, this is the process that they go through to make a person a saint. So uh, totally, folks, it's, it's not biblical. I mean, this is, this is Rome, classic Roman Catholicism. On the Alcation website, it says, St. Joseph of Cupertino often levitated as he was saying Mass. These flights above the altar were witnessed by many of the mass goers. Sometimes he would also fly around outside. The gift of levitation in the Catholic Church is generally considered a sign of sanctity. Many other canonized saints were also able to do this. St. Joseph of Cupertino is, however, among the first to come to mind when Catholics think of levitation. He is often depicted hovering above an altar. It has been recorded that this saint would fly dangerously close to candles without the cloth of his religious habit catching fire. When St. Joseph of Cupertino journeyed with his religious superior to visit Pope Urban, he once again flew into the air and stayed there until his superior ordered him down. Another sign of sanctity for someone in religious life is to obey their superior. So, you know, already we've heard a bunch of stuff, folks. So here's the St. Joseph of Cupertino, and he, he levitates. Let me just say something right off the bat, folks. This is from the pit of hell. It's dark. It's, it's the occult. So, 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 you know, this is stuff that people try to make it sound spiritual, like it's, like it's holy. You see what I'm saying? So here he is. Uh, he's offering up the sacrifice of the mass, which is unbiblical. We know you've heard many of my teachings. Christ paid the price in full in this whole thing with the offering of the sacrifice of the mass is dark, super dark. So here's this guy flying around. Uh, people are going to Mass, and he takes off, and he's now floating around above the altar. Sometimes he's flying outside. It, it, it's kind of funny. It is. It, it's funny, but it's sad, and it's scary. It's demonic, totally demonic. Yet people, folks, if they don't have the Holy Ghost, if they've never been born again of the Spirit, they're very susceptible to believe in this stuff, folks. I know. I was a Roman Catholic. <laughs> so... Uh, this is really something else when you read this stuff, folks. It's, it is totally demonic. This is from 
your field guide to flying saints from Franciscan media. And let's see what this has to say about the same man, Joseph of Cupertino. It says, this Franciscan mystic is the most famous levitator on our list. Rumors of his habit of flying during prayer became so pervasive that his fellow friars were worried he'd become a spectacle of strangeness rather than a model of devotion. So they discouraged visitors and hushed the hype. Even so, Joseph had to be transferred several times to avoid unwanted attention. A humble and pious man, Joseph often wore heavy iron chains, though it is unclear whether these were chiefly meant to ground him spiritually or physically. So, uh, once again, folks, do you find stuff like this in the Word of God uh, regarding levitation? I mean, did you ever hear about the, the apostles or the followers of Christ taking off and levitating? Of course not. This is the work of Satan, you see? So, but, you know, most people... They, they, they don't even want to hear it. So here's another one, by the way. Teresa of Avila. She lived from 1515 to 1582. This is the one she's called the original Flying Nun. Now, you know, I used to watch that program, The Flying Nun. That was, a, I think it was Sally Field. You know, she wore a habit and, and the headpiece had like little wings on it. And when a good wind came along, uh, she could take off and fly. I mean, it was kind of funny. So this is Teresa of Avila, the original flying nun. It says, Teresa of Avila was so prone to floating in midair that her sisters were sternly instructed to yank her down to the floor at the first sign of levitation. She would even weigh herself down with stones to no avail. But Teresa was no lightweight. Founder of 17 Reformed convents, she was savvy enough to pen deep theological works while steering clear of the flourishing Inquisition. She's the object of devotion for saints and sinners alike. Francisco Franco carried a relic most of her hand wherever he went, and Bernini created his most famous statue based on Teresa's own description of a prayer experience. So, I mean, here's this lady called the original flying nun. They had to, uh, they tried to hold her down, weigh her down with stones to no avail. You know that's demonic when you see this happening, folks. Beware of Satan, you see? But 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 you know what we, we what we have here, folks, it's a mixture. So this woman will be talking about prayer, be talking about Jesus. Uh, a lot of times they, they, she would talk about Mary. It, it's all Catholicism. You see, it opens the door to darkness, and it's exactly what this is all about. If you're into levitation, by the way, people practice levitation from all other types of uh uh, religions and stuff and try to empty their minds and, and, and do stuff like that. And this one, uh, Teresa of Avila, was into contemplative prayer. Pa pastors quote this lady, by the way. I'm talking pastors in Christian churches. They have no problem with that. Why? They don't have discernment. They don't search the matters deep enough for themselves and they, they quote these people. And what it does, it opens the door to this ecumenical type of spirit that's been around now for decades. And stuff like this, folks, it, it's, it's playing a big part of it. So now look at this. It talks about a man named Francisco Franco who carried a relic, which was most of this woman's hand. This is something the Church of Rome also does, relics, body parts. In fact, they exhumed her body uh, other body parts were taken from 
her body, not just his hand. So it, it's kind of scary uh, when, when you get into stuff like this, folks. She wrote a book called The Way of Perfection uh, in 1566, and it talks about uh, making progress in the contemplative life written by her, St. Teresa of Avila, uh, the Discalced Carmelite Nun, for the members of the Reformed Monastery of the Order she had founded. Now listen to this. Teresa was a major figure of the Counter-Reformation in 16th century Spain. Was invent uh, and eventually she was named the Doctor of the Church, while her work became a classic text in Christian spirituality and mysticism, especially in the realms of prayer, in Christianity and Spanish Spanish Renaissance literature. So here's a woman into this contemplative prayer. This is big in our day too. You got Catholics and Christians, they they do this contemplative prayer thing, you see? Ecumenism. The door's been opened wide and everything is coming in, ladies and gentlemen. Don't miss that she was a major figure of the Counter-Reformation. What's the Counter-Reformation? Let's go to Wikipedia once again. It says the Counter-Reformation, also called the Catholic Reformation, was the period of Catholic resurgence that was initiated in response to the Protestant Reformation. It began with the Council of Trent and largely ended with the conclusion of the European Wars of Religion in 1648, initiated to address the effects of the Protestant Reformation. Now, what does that tell you, folks? Here we have the Protestant Reformation, where people were being tortured and burnt at the stake uh, by huge numbers, folks. I, I, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I've been born again. I believe in the Bible. I believe in sola scriptura. So the, the Counter-Reformation, which began with the Council of Trent, which includes over 100 curses against true believers, by the way, this, it says this woman, Teresa Avila, was a major figure in that Counter-Reformation. Yet she's quoted, <laughs> quoted by pastors, uh, Christian pastors all the time. They don't have a problem with it. Yeah, but amazing, those same pastors will never utter a word about the true Reformation the true men and women of God who sacrificed their lives for the sake of the true gospel. So this is the day we are living in, ladies and gentlemen. Here's some more quotes from a book written by this lady herself, The Life of St. Teresa of Jesus, of the Order of Our Lady of Carmel. When, when, when it talks about Our Lady, whenever you see Our Lady, it's talking about Mary, <laughs> Our Lady. You've got a thousand churches, Our Lady of this, Our Lady of that, Our Lady of this. That's Roman Catholicism. Here she says, I was once in an oratory when Satan, in an abominable shape, appeared on my left hand. I looked at his mouth in particular because he spoke and it was horrible. A huge flame seemed to issue out of his body, perfectly bright, without any shadow. He spoke in a fearful way and said to me that though I had escaped out of his hands, he would yet lay hold of me again. I was in great terror, made the sign of the cross as well as I could, and then the form vanished, but it reappeared instantly. This occurred twice. I did not know what to do. There was some holy water at hand. I took some and threw it in the direction of the figure, and then Satan never returned. Isn't that something? So, so now she, she blesses herself. You know, you make the sign of the cross, okay? And the devil went away, but then he came back. But once she used so-called holy water, the devil took off. 
in the pit of hell, folks. Holy water? What, what? There's no such a holy water. There's no such thing. This is a Roman Catholic thing. I know I grew up in, in a church. They'd have in a, uh, right on the wall there as you're leaving a church, they'd have a thing where you could dip your finger in, uh, and it was called holy water, okay? I told you the story at the time I went to a charismatic healing mass when the priest, when he came out after the uh, main part of the mass to do the healing part of that uh, charismatic healing mass, he, he, he had a thing of holy water. The altar boy held the, the uh, brass uh, basin that was holding the water. They call it holy water. He dipped his brass wand in there, and then he, he started shaking it toward the people. And I was right there up front, and uh, when he did it, the first shot, you know, like a pitcher throwing a baseball, he uh, aimed it toward us, and there was a lady uh, right behind me. When he threw that, uh, sprinkled that water, I should say, that woman hit this wooden pew. She was knocked out cold from the pit of hell. At the time, I wasn't saved, folks. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, wow, that's the power of God. It's not the power of God, you see? It's the devil trying to trick you into thinking that the water has power, you see? The, the, the devil don't want you to know the, the true uh, Jesus Christ, the one who gives you the living water. You see that, folks? So this is what you, 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 you're dealing with. So um, it says here also in, in that book that she wrote, I know by frequent experience that there's nothing which puts the devils to flight like holy water. They run away before the sign of the cross also, but they return immediately. Great then must be the power of holy water. See? So, so we're dealing with like this mystic stuff, this mysticism stuff, this, this contemplative prayer. But you see, it's not based upon the word of God. Let me close it out here with another person called Padre Pio. You probably heard that name before. Lived from 1887 to 1968. You know, this man was uh, well known for, uh, they say he had the um, stigmata, like the wounds of Christ in his hands and so on and so forth, you know, which is also demonic, by the way, on his side. And I, they still might, I think that, that his body might be, you can go over and view that body under a glass uh, uh like thing in a coffin, uh, I don't know how to put it, but you know, folks, this stuff is dark. It's 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 the occult. It has nothing to do. Can you imagine going over to look at a body? Uh, you people think, oh, look at the, the the body's still in place. Look at this. Oh, this man, and and he came under much criticism. You know, many people, even within the Catholic Church, you know, didn't trust this guy regarding what was going on. So it says, Padre Pio was another humble saint who was gifted in many supernatural ways. Once, while waiting for Saint Pio, that's him, to hear their confessions, a group of penitents saw him walking above their heads. Can you imagine this now? You're in church, and all of a sudden you see a guy walking above you, in midair, okay? Uh, someone asked him what it was like to walk on the air. He promptly replied, I can assure you, my child, it's just like walking on the floor. So here's something supernatural, demonic happening, and you see, you know, what would you do if you walked in your church on Sunday and you see a, your local pastor just walking in midair? <laughs> I'm serious, what would you do? I'd hang a U-turn and say, get out of here. I'd rebuke the man in the name of Jesus Christ, come down. <laughs> and get saved. So, you know, people fall for this stuff, folks. Let's look at the word mysticism as defined in Merriam-Webster Dictionary. It says, 
The experience of mystical union or direct communion with ultimate reality reported by mystics, the belief that direct knowledge of God, spiritual truth, or ultimate reality can be attained through subjective experience such as intuition or insight. Vague speculation, a belief without sound basis, okay? A theory postulating the possibility of direct and intuitive acquisition of ineffable knowledge or power. So people like to, they like to, they want to get in contact uh, with God. But you know something, folks? It's, it's not according to the scriptures. Isaiah 8 and 20 says, To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. 2 Timothy 3, 15 to 17, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. So that was written by uh, the Apostle Paul to Timothy. And, and, and he's talking to him, and he says, look, you knew from a child uh, through the scriptures that are able to make you wise unto salvation, folks. So, so, so dig into the word of God for yourself. You, 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 you don't need this mysticism, folks. There's a lot of books that are written uh, by mystics, okay? Mysticism, all of this stuff, woozy-doozy stuff. They meditate, you say, and they get off. And they open the door to the occult. Oh, yes, they do. You know, I, you know, I've said many times, you know, before I got saved, I, I was on a, a search for truth. I had an insatiable de desire, and I bought all sorts of weird books, you know, uh, not about these levitating people, but, you know, meditation and stuff like that. <laughs> I remember this guy Kreskin and talks about bending spoons, meditating and humming and what have you. Folks, it's the occult. It's dark. When I got saved, I knew all that stuff. I threw all of those books out where they belong in a garbage can, ladies and gentlemen. You see? You gotta, if you're a Christian, you should be meditating upon the word of God day and night, and you won't fall for this stuff. Remember Peter, you know, Peter, uh, James, and John, you know, when the Lord took them up onto the mountain and, and what we call the transfiguration, and the Lord, you know, he was glowing white, okay? And that, that, that was when um, Moses and Elijah appeared uh, to the Lord, and they were up there on that mountaintop. And, you know, even though Peter had that experience, this is what he said in 2 Peter 1, 19 to 21. He said, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well, that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. This book that we call the Bible, the Scriptures, folks, it was written by man, but it was written by men who were inspired by the Holy Ghost. You know, often the unbelievers will try to accuse you. What book are you reading? That book, the Bible, that was written by man. Yeah, it was written by men, but it was written by men who were inspired by the Holy Ghost. And when you read that book, the Holy Ghost is going to 
open up your understanding. The Lord will open up your understanding, folks. And you will see, when you come across stuff like this levitation, levitating saints, or any other nonsense that we have in our modern day, and it is everywhere. You know, many pastors in the pulpits, they do not dig in, they don't know for themselves, and they pass this stuff on to others. They will be quoting Catholic theologians and Catholic this and Catholic this. And you see, it, it, what, what they do is they let their guard down. And this is how this whole ecumenical thing uh, gets uh, going, folks, you see? And that's why you have things like the uh, ECT thing in 1994 where, where the Catholics and evangelicals were going to evangelize the world together. No, you're not. If you're a true Christian, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna evangelize the Catholics. You're not going to work with them in evangelizing other people, you see? So that, this is why I speak out this way, folks, because the hour is late. I'm going to leave it right there. You have a great day.